This episode is brought to you in association with the Leeds Hearts and Minds programme. In Leeds, approximately 57,000 people work in health and care. We have some of the most skilled and passionate teams in the world whose skills and experience are making a real difference to real people. By working even better together as one health and care team, we can make an even bigger difference to people's outcomes as well as improving support to each other to address the system challenges that we face. This is Team Leads. But this is not a new concept. There are already great examples of how working together has made a real difference. Since September 2021, a series of Team Leads chats have happened. These are listening events where health and care colleagues come together to talk, listen, connect and share experiences of living, working and learning through the pandemic. Examples were shared where working closely with other teams or organisations had increased the benefits and outcomes for the people we serve, but also the confidence and well-being of our workforce. Some team leads chats focused on specific groups, including those who are seldom heard, such as unpaid carers, workforce from ethnically diverse groups and health and care students. COVID-19 has disproportionately impacted certain groups of people and recognising this, a Team Leads chat was hosted with members of our health and care teams belonging to Leeds and York Partnership Foundation Trust Menopause Support Group. 18 women were asked to share their experiences of living and working during the pandemic whilst experiencing symptoms of perimenopause and menopausal transition. In this episode, you'll hear from some of these women who want to share their stories and experiences. My name is Graham Hyde, and this is the Making Stuff Better podcast. I'm joined today by five people, uh, Eloise, Emma, Nicola, Mandy and Claire. So thanks everyone for coming. And these are all women who are keen to raise the profile of perimenopause and the menopause and have come prepared to share their experiences and insights. So I'd like to first of all start by welcoming everyone and I'd just like everyone to introduce themselves and say why are you here? So first of all, um, Nicola, could I ask you to say, um, introduce yourself please. So hello, my name's uh, Nicola Walker and I've been working within the Trust for 18 years and I think what I'm wanting people to understand is is, is for more from the manager's perspective and how it affects you physically and mentally and that um, oh, it's just not, It's hard, isn't it? And I think there's lack of understanding from a management's perspective that how menopause affects different people in different ways. And I think it's about getting managers to understand that, that sometimes you can't do the things you want to do because your head's just like, no, I don't want to do that. So that's my perspective and why I'm here. Thank you. Uh, Emma. Thanks, Graham. So um, my name's Emma and I'm the programme manager for the Team Leads Hearts and Minds programme. And I come for two two different reasons today. And one is to share some really brave insights that have been shared with me 
over the past 18 months from women in our health and care workforce, but also to bring some lived experience to the table and to be really open and transparent about what it's like to be, um, you know, a, a woman working in the health and care sector who's also experiencing debilitating, debilitating symptoms of perimenopause. Thank you. Uh, Mandy? Hi, I'm Mandy, Mandy Williams. Um, I actually work in peer support um, within mental health and work as part of the community mental health teams in Leeds. So my sort of role within that uh, job is to to share lived experience of my mental health um, and and to show, you know, support other people similar. Um, whereas and I've sort of come to learn that actually it is really helpful, as Emma's just said, to share your own, be open with people about what, what's happening regarding the menopause for myself. Um, and that in turn seems to spark off, you know, um, other people then being quite open about it. Oh, really? And then you learn from each other. Um, and I've really benefited from that. So I just think it's good to share that. Yeah. Thank you. And Eloise. Hi, my name's Eloise Bell. I'm the head of people and culture at Leeds Mind, the mental health charity within um, the city. I'm also a functional medicine certified health coach. So I'm really interested and curious about supporting people going through the menopause to remain well at work and also helping them connect their mental and physical health symptoms and try and alleviate those as much as possible. And as um, Nicola and Mandy have said about opening up the conversation within um, Leeds Mind about actually what menopause and perimenopause can be like for people so that we can actually support them with adjustments to their role so they can successfully remain in work. Work. The statistics say that around 1 million women leave the workforce at any one time due to their perimenopausal symptoms, which obviously, um, you know, we think about gender pay gap and all of that stuff and the experiences women have in work. So I'm really passionate about supporting people within Leeds Mind and outside of Leeds Mind across the city to remain well in work. Thank you. That sounds fabulous. And we're also joined by um, Claire. So I'll, I'll let Claire introduce herself as well. But my first question is, um, would you be able to give us some context as well from your perspective around what the perimenopause and menopause is, please? Yes, thank you, Graham. It's great to be here this morning with you all. So I'm Dr. Claire Spencer. I'm an NHS GP and I'm a registered menopause specialist. I run the NHS Leeds Menopause Service and also co-founded my Menopause Centre, which is a website with lots of free information. And really, my role is to help and support as many women who, as I can who are struggling with menopause symptoms, but particularly through hormone replacement therapy. Um, acknowledging that that's not the only way of managing yourself through the menopause, but that's where my specialist interest lies. So to answer your question, Graham, the perimenopause is really the start of the menopause transition. So the menopause is not a single point in time. It's far more of a transition. And the perimenopause is the start of it, can start typically in your early to mid 40s. But for some women, it will be their later 40s. And this is where your hormones start to become a bit haywire. Your estrogen levels, instead of flowing up and down rhythmically, can flow erratically, be high, be low, the troughs are deeper and so menopause symptoms can start in this transition time you might be still having regular periods there may be subtle changes to your periods your periods may be irregular 
The menopause is actually defined as having had 12 months of no period and the average age is, is 51 in this country, but between 45 and 55 is really very normal. And that's literally a single moment where you look back and you think, wow, I haven't had a period for 12 months. And then the rest of your life, which, you know, with increasing life expectancy can be up to 40 percent of a woman's lifespan. Um, the rest of your life is then spent in the postmenopause, where the hormone estrogen level is low and stays low forevermore. So that gives you a sort of bit of a context of what we're talking about this morning. That's great. Thank you very much. And are there any, um, I mean, we'll probably talk about this as we go along, but are there any, you know, most common symptoms um, during this time? Yeah, great question. So around eight in 10 of all women will experience symptoms and over three quarters will experience at least a number of those as being um, severe, having a significant impact. So really, you can clump them into vasomotor, which is the hot flushes and night sweats, anything from feeling a glow to being drenched at night, changing sheets, night clothes, big spectrum. Lots of physical symptoms that really reflect how um, how important estrogen is around our body. So some are well known, like palpitations, headaches, change of periods, change of fertility, bladder symptoms, weight gain, which causes a lot of bother to a lot of women, and um, to lesser known symptoms such as dry mouth, burning mouth, this really peculiar symptom, changes in skin sensation. There are symptoms that you can relate to sex. So um, loss of libido is incredibly common um, and also vaginal dryness, soreness, loss of elasticity, painful sex, very common. And then it's the psychological symptoms that really affect many women. And many women say it's the psychological symptoms that bothered them more than the hot flushes. So anxiety that can just creep up on you out of nowhere, low mood, flattened mood, um, cognitive symptoms such as brain fog, feeling your brain is full of cotton wool, there are lots of nods, and um, poor concentration, difficulty finding that word, poor memory, all of this then adding to low self-esteem and fueling the anxiety, fueling the low mood and depressive type symptoms. So those awful vicious cycles. So hopefully in a nutshell, you get a sense of the breadth of what we're talking about. That's brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. So first question I'm going to ask to Emma. So you sort of convened this um, discussion from from your perspective in in the city so why do you care so much about raising the profile of this topic thank you graham i actually was going to just say to claire thank you for describing me just now <laughs> <laughs> it's not all about me obviously but thank you for the description um, but there are a number of reasons i'm here today graham so thank you for for supporting us to hold this conversation and from a professional perspective i'm here because i'm i've been in a privileged position for the last 18 months as the programme lead for the Team Leads Hearts and Minds work. And as part of that work, um, we were committed to engaging with members of our health and care workforce. And we created an activity called Team Leads Chats, which is um, an engagement activity for talking, listening and connecting with each other across the workforce. 
And as we know, COVID-19 has disproportionately impacted a number of groups of people. And as part of um, that acknowledgement, I asked if we could run a team leads chat for women in perimenopause or transition to menopause um, who work for health and care and actually asked the question, what is it like to live and work during um, a, a global pandemic whilst experiencing symptoms of perimenopause? And the output from that conversation was, um, was really um, powerful and I wanted to come and share some of that with you today. But I also want to come and bring my lived experience and be open and transparent about what it's like to be a senior leader working during perimenopause and the impact that that has during a woman's life cycle potentially. And um, when you're supposed to be at the pinnacle of your career, how awful you might feel. So there's a whole lot of stuff in there. Yeah, absolutely. So so you've you've reached out to a group of people around the their lived experience of the pandemic and perimenopause and menopause so what yeah. are the so what were your findings what were the sort of gosh i didn't i didn't realize that was was happening what what were those findings that you were pulling out well it's interesting you say what were the things that i didn't realize were happening because as people spoke to me i thought i do realize that's happening because that's happening to me so i felt a really deep connection with that group of women um and I guess what I was really struck by was through the whole conversation, we only had one really positive sentiment because many of these women were working from home, you know, just from the, the fact that it, we could only really attract people to those conversations who were at home because of, of logistics. And many people said working at home has caused lots of isolation for us, like it has for lots of people during the pandemic. But what it has done is meant that people have taken longer to recognise that their symptoms are due to perimenopause and have wondered if they've been depressed and anxious because of working alone at home. Um, and I guess that the language that people used was was really um, difficult to hear. So people described themselves to me as being incompetent, feeling that coming to work was a really difficult place to be these days and that they didn't really have anything to offer in the workplace. They were afraid. I say they, we, we are afraid at times and, and people are describing themselves as feeling really greyed out in the workplace, invisible, not part of um, what's going on anymore and, and feeling pretty washed up in, in all honesty. And somebody said to me, it feels easier just to fade out of work than fight for a career. And I find that really hard to hear, but I really understand where that person was coming from because I felt that at times over the last couple of years for myself. And I think there was, there was talk about lots of medication issues, which I think is probably a debate that we might well have today. And the fact that many women are taking considerable periods of sick leave attributed and associated with perimenopausal symptoms, they may not know that at the time that's what it's about, or they may be advised and have been advised by medical professionals not to share that in the workplace. And I'd like that to change, really. I'd like us to be able to be really transparent about that. Um, and to really get beneath why we've all, sorry, why some of us have got imposter syndrome as we um, move into this stage in our lives. So there was lots and lots of important anecdote from a really, you know, powerful and brave group of women, actually. Yeah, it sounds, sounds it. Um, Nicola or, or Mandy, have you got anything that you'd like to, to add to that, your personal lived experience of, of this time? I think I can reflect on everything Emma's just saying. Um, 
I think from my perspective, it's a little bit different because I work on a ward. So I'm constantly having to remember, you know, the care of my patients, the staff, and you're running around. And I think sometimes it is difficult to remember everything and know how to do everything. And then, you know, you start, I start dripping in sweat. Then my anxiety sets in and then, you know, the clients are looking at me and I'm like, Mm. you know and, and then it's like can you do this I'm like oh yeah I forgot you know you, you're forgetting to do um yeah just your basic stuff that you, you that you know that you should be doing and it, it's it's hard it's just and I think from what Emmy what you were saying earlier on it the sickness as well I don't think HR understand and and from management is that you know you do get depressed you do get anxiety you do get stress you do go through the stage where you, you think you're fat you're ugly and you know and that you, everything you do is rubbish and you start to hate yourself and then you know and it's like you don't want to go to work like that but then you're scared if you go off sick because you, you need to manage your emotions because you can't if you can't manage your emotions yourself how are you expected to manage the emotions of your patients so you get stuck in this cycle that just goes round and round and round but you're also scared of going off sick because you know hr are going to pull you in and say well what can we do this what can you do that and it's like and it's just back round and round and round again so it is it's horrible menopause is 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 horrible and it needs to be out there but actually it does it not only does it affect yourself it affects your colleagues because they're like oh she's going to bite me head off today what's she going to be like and then you've got your partners that have to put up with your, your night sweats yeah your temper tantrums your binge eating yeah you know it it just affects everybody doesn't it it's yeah. scary I'll let someone else chat now because I am a chatter and I do apologise. <laughs> apologise. Thank you very much. Uh, I I was just I was just going to say there. Um, yeah, that's I just think that's really great, Nicola, that you're so open about it because I feel like that's what we need, you know. Um, so, yeah, go you. Um, so, yeah, um, I've been quite fortunate, I feel, um, in one sense, because um, within my workplace, uh, we've had that flexibility and that's still carrying on at the minute um, with, you know, returning back into the workplace after COVID um, from, from working totally from home. Um, so, and I, I think that comes from perhaps my manager in particular as well. Um, and, and she, you know, um, for various reasons, because like the medication that I'm on and things like that, I struggle in mornings, um, particularly. Although saying that, I've been up at like seven of the last week or so. No idea. So I've even worked for at eight o'clock in the morning, which is really not me. You know, normally it's like ten while six instead of nine while five. But that there is that flexibility, which you know, uh, not everybody has. I, I get that. Um, so I can work over and make it up. You know, so if, if I was having like um 
something terrible say if I was out at work anyway and um you know sort of you know talk about the bleeding side of things which is a bit cringe and not particularly the nicest thing to discuss you know and felt something happened there and had a bit of an accident or whatever you know maybe if I could I could go home early make that up another day um so I've had those conversations with my manager um and and that was horrible to do because um working in mental health you know managers one-to-ones is about well how's how's your caseload how's the work you know and you tick the boxes and you go through the questions and how are you doing how are you feeling you know how are you managing your mental health um and we go through all that and then once i just had to say because I'd, I'd had to have time off work and i'd had to, i sort of had to say well actually it's the menopause i think i don't think it's my mental health do you know and she knew obviously certain things because I'd, I actually had to have three months off work. And um, yeah, so so I had to sort of then say, well, actually this, this, this. And, and you know, she was brilliant. And that came from her own personal experience, not with herself, but she turned around and said to me, um, which was really good of her, um, that she remembers her mum. They were on a coach holiday. Imagine. Oh, and it... it you know, I just, I was just, my face must have been a picture. I was like, oh, at your poor mom, you know, and she remembers that quite strongly among, you know, having a period and it was all horrible on a coach holiday. Um, and, and so she totally understood. And I, I was like, wow, not what I expected, but how good is that? Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, oh, sorry. Oh. I was just going to bring in Eloise there from a from a mental health perspective and and the mum story. Um, I just wondered if you wanted to add something to to that particular thread, Eloise. Mm, yeah. So, um, you know, and what really interests me, Nicola, is about you saying about HR not understanding. But we know that HR is predominantly a female profession, and actually, what we're talking about here is a natural physiological process that will happen to every single woman in the world um and you know and actually just on that point i will just raise that it isn't just women that experience the menopause we do have trans and non-binary colleagues that do also go through the menopause if they haven't received hormone um, treatment so actually it's about you know making sure that we kind of be aware of that as well but back to your point you know this is a natural physiological process that every woman and more will experience and the one thing that we do know is that talking about things reduces stigma so actually everything that we're doing both here and talking about it and being open about our experiences and showing our own vulnerabilities will actually help to reduce that stigma and improve that awareness of this natural process. Um, and I guess it's, you know, is it a British stiff upper lip thing where we just don't talk about that? We don't talk about periods, <laughs> you know, we just don't talk about periods, do we? But, you know, again, Monday, you know, and I, I'm so glad that you had your, that experience with your manager because, you know, that is that's the power of it you know this isn't something that happens to very few people everybody knows somebody that's been through the menopause you know everybody will have a relative a spouse a friend you know that has been through this and will have some sort of lived experience of that whether it's themselves or someone else um and the other thing to just kind of note from my perspective as a HR professional myself is that whilst the menopause itself isn't classed as a disability long-term debilitating symptoms coming through the menopause could be classed as a disability, meaning that employers do have a legal obligation to support people going through the perimenopause and menopause to remain well in work. 
So it's just about how do we support people to do that and how do we have these conversations to enable people to think creatively around actually what do we need? What do people need in the workplace to be able to stay there and feel like they're contributing and feel like they're fulfilling their purpose and not feel like they have to disappear out of the workforce and hide for the next five years? Because that's what we know happens. So that's what I'm really passionate about is how do we create the space and the initiative and the environment so that people going through those debilitating symptoms can stay in work? Thank you. Nicola, did you want to just come back in? Oh, me? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to um, reflect on a, a last, you know, last year, a year before, I was having an absolutely terrible time. I was crying all the time. I was snapping. I was snarling. I was, I, my mood had just completely dropped. And I was really struggling. I was trying to um, explain to my, to somebody at work how I was feeling um and that they actually looked at me and they says well how long is this going to last for so I said well that's like asking how long's a piece of string and then they, they used it and reflected it but oh I guess it's just like going through puberty isn't it and I'm like what no it's nothing like going through puberty <laughs> it's completely different so I think from my experiences is that I don't think sometimes people get it. They just think, oh, you've just been a woman, aren't you? There's no wrong with you. And there is. It's, um, I just think it, it's horrible. And the, when it comes to the, the ladies' week, the pain you get from there is, oh, my God. And I just think that's another thing, you know, you, you, you want to you're struggling with your, your lady weeks and then you want to I can't I literally cannot go to work I cannot move because if I move someone's or it's your belly pain and you think oh I can't ring in sick with period pains can I but you have to because you can't move <laughs> and then you think oh, I'm going to get hauled in now my sickness and you know it's I don't think people understand how it does affect you that makes sense perfect sense uh claire do you want to come in yes yeah no thank you so much for sharing your story because i think it's so powerful for to hear i can quote statistics but it's those personal stories that have such a big impact and i see a lot um and hear a lot that you know women and the pressure to carry on maintaining function and as you say keep a lid on it not talk about it oh no this is happening what am I going to do and then just adding to all that anxiety and I think sometimes you see physical relief when you can explain that this is changing hormones have a direct effect on your brain so to understand a bit about what's going on behind the scenes so you know, it really is that fluctuating estrogen and decreasing estrogen that is affecting the amount of serotonin that's available in your brain, even, you know, and that's so fundamental as a neurotransmitter and part of how we're feeling and mood. And then the other thing is that worry about early dementia. Um, so often women will say, oh, my goodness, I thought I was getting dementia. You can see your mum going through it. And being again that explaining so I think the point that I'm trying to make is um, that 
as you that trying to under that if there was better understanding if people did understand what was going on then hopefully they would have a little number one they could maybe have some empathy it's decreasing the stigma to decrease the anxiety for all of us and we did some research with Britain Thinks that showed that it's really interesting the women who felt more prepared for the menopause transition significantly well showed the numbers showed that they coped better and experienced it as a more positive transition than the women who were less prepared so I suppose the point is it's great we're having this conversation because preparation really is key for everybody and the wider everybody and can help through and then being able to educate everybody in the workplace as well to alleviate some of that anxiety. Emma. Thank you for saying that Claire and, and I'm sort of smiling as you're talking because I'm reflecting that three years ago when I was starting to really get um, some severe perimenopausal symptoms, I used the, the term brain frog to brain frog. See, there you go. <laughs> I might call it that going forward. Um, brain fog to a female colleague um, because I couldn't find the words that I was trying to say. And she said to me, do me a favour, don't allude to the fact that you're in perimenopause in front of, of male colleagues because you will be um, taken less seriously and it is career limiting. Now, I think at the time she was probably saying and reflecting what was happening in our society and what makes me feel really passionately brilliant about being here today is we're talking about it and it's only three years since. And for me to even be able to say it out loud and say I'm having some of these issues myself is really powerful because being told to not share it with anybody made it worse. And I had times when I was having panic attacks. I'd be presenting online and thinking I'm just going down a plug hole. I feel like I'm actually just going to disappear off the chair and trying to remain professional and trying to do your job and trying to be a competent person that you know that you can be. It's really challenging. So I just want to shout that from the rooftops and say I think it's brilliant that we can talk about this and it's going to make a difference to lots of people. So thank you. Uh, Mandy? Just on the back of that a little bit of what you both said then, um, I just wanted to say about the preparation thing and the, the, the you know, us talking hopefully will help those next generation, maybe like yourself, Eloise, you know, that are going to come up and they can be more open about it. I found that happens as well by talking. So you, the example that I used about my manager in that same conversation, she sat there and said, "I'm from what I've seen with my mum and what I hear, I'm absolutely terrified of starting it. And I think, oh, it never occurred to me that people have anxiety building worries already about and they haven't even got to anything yet, you know, so hopefully that talking about it and that getting info out there can help but also ease that because yes it's horrible but hopefully you know there are things that help as well and and I did say that to her at the time you know so it's sort of all positive isn't it really yeah uh, Eloise yeah Mandy it's a really good point that you raised because um although I haven't yet started I don't think I have I did turn 40 in May so I am now starting to question when things don't work quite as they did um, although I don't have experience of menopause myself um, I did actually have a miscarriage and actually it's probably another subject that we could do a similar conversation around because again it's one of those things that happens and is you know it happens frequently 
Um, and we just don't talk about this stuff. And actually, you know, what I found was I was going through a, mi a miscarriage um, process and I had no idea, you know. So I think it's these these really, unfortunately, natural processes that do occur to us as women and we just don't talk about them. So actually by being advocates and champions and talking about this stuff, because I definitely did similar to that when I went through that process, because it was like, well, God, if I talk about it, at least somebody will know that they can talk to me. So I think that's the, the, the real power of talking, as we know, Mandy, working where we work, you know, the power of talking and that peer support is just absolutely pivotal to kind of help people go through this. Thank you. Yeah. And I was, yeah. So Claire, I was just going to sort of bring you back in there and, and really what sort of help and support for women is available? Let's, let's say leads, but if, if there's stuff on the internet, that's wider, but, but what, what is available to, to help people? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked me that because I, I really wanted to come back to Mandy and say, absolutely, it does look terrifying, doesn't it? But I think the key thing is to talk about it and then know where to find help and that there is lots of different ways that you can manage menopause symptoms. Um, so there is loads of great information out there now online. So having a look around, so um, just rattling off. So um, Menopause Matters, Women's Health Concern, um, the DAISY Network for Younger Women. Um, we've got a website, My Menopause Centre, there's New Some Health, the NHS website as well. So, and then the NICE guideline, um, so is the NICE guideline on the menopause is pretty clear and well written. Um, in the workplace now, there are so much, there's so much going on in terms of menopause cafes, um, menopause forums, um, Facebook, there are lots, I'm sure everybody can share their own different support groups that they found, but there are lots of menopause support related Facebook groups that many of my patients tell me they find really helpful to share stories through. Um, menopause support, I think, is another website on it as a standalone website. And then, you know, if you're struggling, the, the key thing is to just ask for help and the first port of call is always going to be the GP or other healthcare professional in your practice who has an interest in the menopause. And I always say my top tip is ask at reception or ask your friends, because I can say this because I'm a GP as well. You know, GPs have to know a lot about a lot and a 10 minute appointment is not a long time. So if you can find out if there's a GP with an interest in the menopause in your practice, um, that could even if you have to wait to see that GP, um, GP education is really on the up. You know, there is lots more um, pressure for GPs to become upskilled and educated in the menopause. But I know that we're not there yet. And then if you go, I think, with your to your GP, sort of having a vague idea, it may be that you need to validate symptoms, you need to talk through symptoms, because it can be hard also to know the symptoms are so nonspecific, as you from my earlier um, section, that it can be hard to know if it is the menopause or something else. There may be some blood tests that you need to rule out of the causes. Because obviously we don't that we know there's there isn't a single blood test that will diagnose the menopause for you. So if then the GP is struggling, if you're struggling with the GP, there are specialist menopause services that you can be referred into. So slightly long answer, but hopefully that gives you a scope of 
well, and I'm sure other people will have top tips um, to share. Thanks, Claire. Yes. Uh, Emma, do you want to come back in? Yeah, yeah, thank you for that, Claire. And just to reflect back on the conversations that I had with the menopause support group some months ago, what was really evident is that the, there's such a varied response um, from GPs. And as you've already said, you need to know a lot about a lot of things. But women were getting um, some sort of no conversations or some really good conversations. It's really mixed and really broad. And one of the subjects that came up was about antidepressants and that it seems to be the first port of call when, when lots of people go to their GP to say they've got menopausal, perimenopausal symptoms, that they will be um, prescribed antidepressants. And I remember the group at the time being quite affronted by it and feeling quite upset about it. And I'd like to give you two sides to that story, because I think women are not automatically depressed as part of perimenopause. The symptoms are so broad and varied, aren't they? And, and for me, it's been anxiety, not depression. So when I went to my GP, the first protocol was you need some antidepressants. And I was really mad about it. And I said, I've got anxiety. Give me beta blockers. Try something different. I'm not depressed. But then a year later, I still felt absolutely horrible. And I went back again and they said, you really would benefit from going on antidepressants. It will turn down the volume on, on the anxiety, the cortisol and the adrenaline response that is running constantly like a tap. And I have to say, having started out feeling a bit affronted, it has changed my life. And so I want to be a positive advocate and say to people, keep your minds open. It will be, you know, it, these things have um, really good responses for different symptoms, not just about being depressed. So um, it won't work for everybody, but it certainly worked for me. Thank you. And I just I wondered, Claire, again, if you could come back in around medication. Um, so we've 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 talked a lot about people talking and raising awareness. But <coughs> if we get to the if we get to the medical um, assistance, what is available? Um, yeah, so if you so if we fast forward to medication but i also do want to say though that lifestyle changes can have a significant impact talking therapies there's excellent evidence for cognitive behavioral therapy for helping psychological and physical um, symptoms of the menopause um, some women will find alternative um, therapies others will get through with relaxation meditation you know it's going to be different for every single woman will find her way through this um, in terms of medication so Really, the most effective way of managing menopause symptoms is hormone replacement therapy, and that's giving you back and stabilizing some of the estrogen. And it can, you know, it can really help. So the low mood associated with the menopause, anxiety, it can be good for keeping a lid on anxiety and then the physical symptoms as well. HRT, it can take a few goes to get the right HRT for you. And I'm certainly not saying it's right for every single woman. Um, and some women have side effects and don't tolerate it. Um, some women will be advised it may be a bit more risky for them. And so, you know, I, I agree with you, Emma. I think antidepressants do have a part to play. I do think that in the past they have been given out a little too readily without HRT being considered. But that's maybe because um, there was a lack of education and a bit and a lot of anxiety about HRT. And I think now 
the message is getting out there that it's really not as risky as it was first thought to be. It may be a discussion about the right HRT for you. So it's really a combination of factors. Some women need HRT and antidepressants. You know, every single person will be different in what they need. Hopefully that gives you a scope for yeah. the range. Yeah. Thank you. I just wanted to to ask another question to to the group um, around what would have made it better or improved your experience of this of this period in in your lives. Um, to just yeah, anything that we could I suppose any other things we could share or or learn or things that the system the lead system might do differently or or our workplaces even. Emma. I could share some recommendations from the menopause support group if that's helpful today. And what the the participants were saying to me was that they don't want a lot, but they do want some changes and they do want us to talk about it. And they do want us to raise the issues, to decrease the stigma and to make it um, acceptable to be able to have these conversations in the workplace. So I think just by doing this today and increasing awareness and decreasing stigma is a really, really positive step to that. But, but people also said, please help us to have adjustments in the workplace when we're experiencing heavy bleeding, um, you know, when when our mood isn't isn't good enough to be online or, or, or you know, to carry out certain tasks, etc. Please understand that and try to help us to find a way forward, which I think is easier for some groups of our workforce than it is others. And that's probably the challenge for, that we've got going forward. Um, and lots of women said, provide access to support for affected staff. So actually make it really obvious. And I think our health and care sector is doing a really grand job at, at improving this at the moment, genuinely. But it's about making sure we we know, or women know that they can, um, they can access people to talk to. But there's another point for me here, which I might bring you in on, Graham, is this is about men too. And I think we forget that sometimes. And it's about, you know, what's the impact on your colleagues? And what's the impact on men experiencing um, perimenopause with partners, with with family members, etc. And how does it feel to be in that situation where you don't know how to respond? And what can we do back, I suppose, to help you to understand that better? Definitely. And I suppose from my point of view, um, I suppose, and we've talked about this a lot through this this episode about talking, but then I, I suppose you've got to have the, the tools and the confidence to be able to, I don't know, self-recognise that something's different and to be able to be then confident to talk to your partner. Um, you know, we've all got different relationships with, with our partners, um, but that I suppose that strength of that relationship is a, is a starting point. Okay, thank you. Eloise. I was just going to uh, chip in with a little bit about what we've been doing at Leeds Mind to support people going through perimenopause and menopause because we've um, recently um, back in the summer developed a menopause policy so that's our first step in setting out our stall around how we support people going through this process. As part of that I held some uh, menopause awareness sessions um, which were open to all staff um, and have been recorded in our, on our sort of internal SharePoint, which just goes through exactly the kind of stuff that Claire was talking about. This is what perimenopause and menopause is. This is what some of the debilitating symptoms might be. And, and actually, again, sort of 
talking about the elephant in the room and saying words like vaginal atrophy in the workplace, you know, which was a little bit awkward for me the first time I said it, but after that it was fine. Um, having menopause champions. So we have like an, a menopause at Leeds Mind inbox. So if anybody needs any support, they can talk to um, champions within the organization who are people with lived and professional experience about dealing with this stuff and helping people through it. Some of the practical things that um, workplaces can do to support people going through the perimenopause and menopause are things um, in terms of, you know, that sickness stuff, Nicola, that you referred to. So what we've done on our sort of um, HR system is put menopause as a reason for absence. So actually, rather than having to dress it up as something else, low mood, anxiety, headache, migraine, is actually, no, I know that this is because I'm going through this process. And actually what you can do is take it one step further and as a reasonable adjustment for somebody is you could actually consider and we do this for other people who have other sort of menstrual cycle related um, health conditions is removing that from you know you have kind of like triggers for sickness absence conversations is actually removing menopause from that so actually you know, thinking about this is potentially a long term health condition, this could be considered disability. Actually, do we need to punish people for having to take time off to support themselves going through this? So there are lots and lots of different things that you can do from a systemic perspective, an organisational perspective to support people so that that reduces that stigma and supports them going through it. Um, other things that you can do is obviously um, making talking therapy and other types of therapy available to people, whether that's from a peer support network, champions perspective, or from a professional perspective, you know, actually making um, sort of paid professional help available to people should they need it. Um, and yeah, just kind of talking practically around what symptoms do they actually have and getting into the nitty gritty of the detail um, and seeing about what you can feasibly creatively do to support people going through that and I suppose you know something that we've raised here and Nicola has that lived experience of is you know it's all very well people like me who can work from home being able to sort of hide away at home if I'm going through debilitating symptoms but how do we support people working on the front line in the wards and the hospitals and the um, health centres when they're going through this because they can't hide at home unless they take time off sick you know so and how do we equip people you know we know um health professionals have very high levels of burnout um do not are not always able to take breaks eat nutritious food whilst in the hospitals how do we equip people with those lifestyle interventions so that that can really support them from a rest of food perspective because we know that that can have such a powerful influence over symptoms as well I don't have the answer to that one but I'd definitely like to ask the question because I know that that's a very very big challenge and I'd love to hear Nicola if you have any ideas about how we can support people like you going through it it's great that you there is no defined answer to it, is it? Because everybody is an individual and what works for one doesn't work necessarily for another person. But I think for me, because I work in a, I work in CAMS, so it's like a, a, sm a kind of small unit. So I think because we've got such a good team, we all get on really, really well, you know. We are the, but we're just sort of like, oh, you're having a not sweat again, Nicola, yeah. Can I just open window? Um, oh, it's cold. Oh, I'll go stand outside in courtyard then. You know, it, we do have some really good banter. But I will say, but it's like when we go with Claire and talking about the medication, I am on sertraline. Oh my God, life changer. 
absolute life changer. I'm on hormone patches. Worked for a couple of years. I think now I'm starting to get hot and sweaty on the night again. And so I think I probably do need to go back to the doctors and 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 see, you know, them. And but I think I think from where what I have struggled is is the shift work. And I think because it's shift and shift work doesn't help when you're menopausal whatsoever. It makes it worse. But it's so true, yeah. And I'm really pleased that you have got that supportive little team. Um, and if you're all going through it together, then Nicola, you probably yeah can relate to each other a bit and support each other, I guess, as well, can't you? So that's good to know. But I just, I mean, I don't know what sort of trainings out there, especially within the NHS for managers. You know, I come from that perspective again of the mental health side of things. You know, I feel, well, just my little quote here, that it should be mandatory for managers, management of various levels to be trained in mental health so they can support their workforce and to be trained perhaps with menopause. And I'm sure there's probably other things, I don't know. But that to me should be mandatory training for people because it makes so much sense, doesn't it? Like for yourself, Nicola, if, if that person, whoever that is, can just understand that actually that is going to benefit you as a person, as a, um, a member of the workforce, it's going to help you, but the knock-on effect of that is that it will help the work that you do, won't it? So, you know, it's going to help the team. It's going to help the quality of work, you know, um, and that kind of thing. And I don't understand how managers, a lot, not all, obviously, don't fit that, don't put that together. Do you know what I mean? If you look after your staff, then look how much better the output's going to be. Exactly. You know? And yeah, if you feel supported in the workplace, is only from my perspective. If I felt more supported in the past, I'd have probably managed it a lot better. Yeah, I'd have been able to understand it. I think I'm if you haven't got the support, sure you would. Yeah, I'd have felt more that I don't need to go off sick because I think everyone's. You, you do. You get anxiety. You get. I do. I did get stress. I did get depressed. I got. I've still got every single thing. The aches and pains are horrible. Um, and I just think people need to understand that sometimes I can't go in. And we, I do work in mental health, so sometimes we have to do PMVA stuff, which we all hate. But when you're dripping in sweat and then you've got your aches and pains, it's like, oh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's really difficult. And I just think we, we do need to be made... More when I'm happy to do anything like this if it promotes because as you can see I, I like talking um <laughs> can we just should we just bring Emma back in as well um thank you for sharing such open and uh, transparent accounts of, of your experience so I just wanted to say it isn't about just managers is it because most of uh, uh, the managers are female and are are in some way either preparing to go into this situation or or going through it now or have come out the other end so for me it's about let's get everybody talking about it and I, I do appreciate it's about you know talking about adjustments and what's right for individuals but it, it, it uh, your managers are often women and and so actually you know let's let's get that discussion going because maybe they'd like to talk about it as well and that's what yeah, makes I it all so. the more baffling isn't it it's like yeah, hold on yeah. you know <laughs> you know and the I think sometimes may not have the time and the understand yeah. you know but but they will be going through it like 
you know, I'm 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 a woman. I'm a HR person. There are lots of female HR people going through it. So it's like, why why is this not happened sooner? How has it taken it to get to this point? Is it because of the stigma associated to this thing, which is completely natural? It just is mind blowing, really, isn't it? Yeah, and is it the policies as well? Is it not rolled out enough through the um, through the systems? You know, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's loads of people with menopause that end up going off sick because they can't hack it. But you know, it is horrible. But it's about keeping them people in the workplace. I completely agree, Nicola. And I just want to share some anecdote from a. Um, close female colleague of mine that said to me recently she's just had a period of time off sick and I said out of interest did you record it as being related to perimenopause and and was your sick note you know uh, attributed to to that reason and she said no the GP said don't share that it's menop that it's perimenopause or symptoms with your organization which I found really interesting and I guess that shows that there's a a lack of understanding in different different places with different people and that I don't know. I don't know whether, Claire, you have a view on that. I'm sure you do. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised by that. I, I, it may be anxiety. I mean, I've heard you can imagine I've heard everything. I've heard yeah. women say don't talk who don't want to talk about it. They say it's another stick to beat me with. They get through if they've had children, the whole pregnancy, maternity, get through that in one piece. And then here we go again. Um and I do hear, oh gosh, so many stories about, particularly in, um, say, for yeah, different different sectors. You know, women being managed out of their roles because they've complained of some perimenopause symptoms. So, women not going for promotion, etc. I think it has to be a cultural change, don't you? It has to be through. It's it is a policy, but it's not creating a policy to hide behind and wave it, it's a policy that so you know so Nicola you know that these things are taking seriously Nicola I, can I just go back I think you made a really really amazing point earlier on I wrote it down when you said the difficulty of managing your own emotions as well as the emotions of your patients I think you know very specifically in working in health working in mental health you know, it does add an extra pressure, doesn't it? So you're having to manage yourself to manage the patients. And yeah, that was a it, really good it, point. Yeah. And I think because I, I do work with under 18s. Um, you know, so they've all got their own stuff going on. And if you've got your own stuff on going on, it, it is it is difficult. But you do it because, you know, you, you care for you care for your, 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 your service users, don't you? You manage it. And once that situation's gone, you, you might as, as dissolve, not dissolve, wrong word. Um, I can't think of the word. Um, everything's gone nice and quiet. And you think, right, I'm going to go and have a cup of tea. You actually go back and you reflect and you think, oh, my God, I really sympathise with what that young person's just gone through because I'm kind of like feeling the same. And how, you know, it, it, you do it and it's, it's really weird. And then... It's you think, well, actually, no, Nicola, you've got to be more professional. You can't let those boundaries drop. So it's hard. I mean, sometimes I've come away and I've started crying because I've, I've had to do something that we have to do. We literally have to do in order to help the service user. 
And they have come away crying. And I think, oh, my God, that must have been. And I think, Nicola, you're doing it for a reason. You know, so it's hard to try and, you know, when you're struggling with your own thoughts, your own emotions, and then you're having to help other people with their thoughts and emotions. But you can do it, and it does make you understand more, if that makes sense. Mm. I'm waffling again, ah. I'll let someone else waffle now. <laughs> well, I was going to I was going to think about drawing this conversation to a close. Um, but before I do that, I just wondered if anybody, um, if we haven't covered anything that anybody wanted to wanted to highlight or mention before we before we end this. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you'd like to to raise? Emma? Yeah, thank you, Graeme. Um, I guess one of my ambitions for Leeds is that we, we become a menopause friendly city and that lots of organisations in health and care have been talking to me anecdotally about wanting to take their organisation through that menopause friendly accreditation process. But from my perspective and the seat I've sat in for the last 18 months, I don't know why we wouldn't do it as a city. Let's actually make Leeds a really fantastic place to live and work and learn and to, um, you know, to go through our different life stages together and to know that we have um, the support and, and the assets that that can support people to feel better and to to you know flourish in their careers and not want to give up and not want to leave what they're doing so i guess i'm just going to put that out there i haven't uh, haven't um, accomplished it yet but it's something i'd like to to really try and do thank you i think you're absolutely right and on that very positive note uh, of, a, of an ambition to be a, a menopause-friendly city. I'm going to draw that conversation to an end, and it's been fascinating. And thank you very much, everybody, for your openness and honesty. Um, I've really enjoyed it, and I hope you have too. So thank you very much. Mm -hmm.